0: We're going to have you introduce your, your life, special guest. Uh, podcast is this? <laughs> special guest inception. I love it. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Two Girls and a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine one bottle at a time. I'm Anne, and I am melting like the Wicked Witch of the West. But I've got a glass of wine, so it's all peachy, just like this episode.
0: And I'm Drea, and I really want it to be red wine at 2pm season. Once again, I'm over it. I hate summer. Go away. Soon, babe. Soon. Soon feel like I already like leaked into our jeers. Oh, well, what can we do? <laughs> so today's episode is a little bit different. Uh,
1: Andrea recorded this on location in Paso Robles, uh, and she got to interview some really cool gentlemen. Um, so you'll get to hear all about her experience. And the really cool thing, the thing that makes me the most jealous, is that instead of just one wine, they got into all kinds of different bottles.
0: Yeah, it was a great experience um, to be out at Peachy Canyon in Paso Robles. And just so all our listeners know, this episode is not being sponsored by Peachy Canyon. Um, they didn't pay us to feature them, none of that. Uh, I happened to visit them when I was in Paso Robles in June and had a great experience and met one of our special guests, um, August Latendre. When I was there, he poured for me. And he was so knowledgeable, and they were, the entire staff was so nice. And I was really impressed with the wine. So uh, there was an opportunity for me to go back and spend some time there. And he was kind enough to arrange a guided tasting that is part of this episode. So we're very pleased to have been able to work with them and are excited to talk about a whole smathering of wines that I had the pleasure to taste.
1: And as our resident amateur editor, I just have to note that these interviews were recorded outside using COVID precautions. So you will hear a bit of background noise. There is some wind in different parts. Um, You know, just like enjoy the
0: ambiance, I guess. Yeah. I mean, think of it as a true sensory experience. Picture yourself in the middle of a vineyard under a gazebo. We or were, a wind tunnel. Let's finesse this a little bit for the listeners, and Let's give them the full fantasy. We were in a gazebo. August had us all set up in a gazebo. It was so lovely. It was a beautiful, breezy summer day. And don't think of it as wind howling. Think of it as... The vineyards and the leaves of rustling in the fields and the birds chirping. See? It's all about creating the mood.
1: Beautiful. But before we get to that mood, let's start off with our cheers and jeers. So, Drea, what are you cheersing to?
0: So, I am cheersing this week to you, to Anne, uh, for putting up with all of my on-location bullshit during what I know was a very hard week for you, and for not murdering me and making this into a wine and true crime podcast.
1: And what about your jeers this week?
0: Ugh, jeers. So I've I've just been living my post-vaccine life on the open road. I've been all over the place on road trips, and it's been pretty great. And so I'm back in San Diego. And um I've I drugged myself out of bed and went to flea market this morning and it's my jeers because apparently I did so for no good reason. I just wanna go back to Paso Robles or I'll take LA anywhere where you know a flea market is like cool freaky vintage finds where i can turn them into something rad rather than where it's just row after row after row of graphic tees of space jam from the fucking 90s like i want the real deal people um so yeah so jeers to the flea market Boo.
1: sounds like that flea market is really trying to appeal to uh The next generation, those Gen Zers and their obsession with the 90s, which wasn't even that great. People, it wasn't wasn't that great. It wasn't.
0: It wasn't. Um, Like any decade where you can have like a Cure song play right before a Michael Bolton song, like that's not good. That's not good. You don't want that. All right. And um, so now that I've completely alienated a large portion of the audience that actually listens to fucking podcasts, um, what are you cheersing and jeersing this week? <laughs> You know, I'm going to continue
1: with your theme and cheers to me As for shall. surviving a tough work week and continuing to do things that I care about, even though it was really busy at work and stressful at a couple of different points. I still made time to write and I made time to talk with you. So frankly, I'm just really proud of myself. Uh, so cheers to me. And in the other direction, uh, cheers to you. For making me jealous with this incredible trip to Paso that you took. For all the great wines that you drank. Uh, Just, I can't wait to see you in person. But in the meantime, I am green with
0: envy. First of all, first of all, that breaks my heart. Second of all, I invited you. (laughs) Fully invited you. Had an extra bedroom at my Airbnb for you. (laughs) Third of all. I brought back so much wine. It is out of control. And when you get here, when we are finally gloriously reunited, you are going to be the beneficiary of this.
1: Great. Well, let's get into it. Let's, uh, let's get on your wine tasting extravaganza and uh, meet August. Sounds good.
0: Today we have a very special tasting for you. We are currently at Peachy Canyon in Paso Robles and we have a special guest, August Letendre who is a star at Peachy Canyon. Um, he gave me my first guided tasting here and I had such an amazing time. Definitely wanted to come back. Um, I tried to bribe Anne into flying on into Santa Barbara, but she's like a responsible adult or whatever. So here we are. August, welcome to Two Girls in a Grape. Why don't you tell us? A little bit
2: about yourself. Well, thank you. It's so it's so nice to be here with you guys. So thank you for choosing Peachy. Um, so I uh, well yeah, my name is August Latendre. Um, I'm a tasting room associate here. I basically help people find the wine they love.
0: And you do a really great job, from what I remember my last
2: trip. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs>
0: And how long have you been at Peachy Canyon and working here in Paso? About a year and a half now.
2: And uh, I absolutely love it. It's actually my first service industry job. I kind of had a different careers before this and uh, always loved wine and uh, came to Peachy, learned a lot quickly. And uh, yeah, I've I, uh, been bitten by the wine bug. So
0: <laughs> I love it, though, because that I gives um, people like Ann and myself hope that we'll get out of the rut of our. So right. great. This is good. This is good. This is going to be a very inspirational episode. I can already tell. So what are you excited to drink right now? And what are you just like, I've had enough of this?
2: Well, I'll tell you what, actually, the one I'm most excited about today. And uh, it's Bailey. Um, you know, it's our uh, organic dry farm in that's really silky with a little hint of white pepper on it. And it's definitely the uh, bottle that we all reach for at the end of the day when we're cleaning up here. <laughs> Um, there's always a few of those so it's really between that or a uh, hot day we'll go to our Peche Blanche or um, possibly the GSM
0: nice yeah Yeah, at the
2: end of the day good
0: classic good staple yep and when you have that final drink at the end of the day and everyone's sort of whittled away off the vineyard, um, what are you and your colleagues cheersing to right uh, now?
2: <laughs> we're swapping stories, actually, of the day. <laughs> oh, no. Uh,
0: no. We're going to become a story, Anne. I can already feel it.
2: <laughs> It's sort of our unwinding moment. Uh, it's uh, actually my favorite part of the day here, um, just kind of checking in with everyone. It, you know everyone drops that uh work persona and everyone becomes real and uh it's really my favorite part i work with some really good people here
0: you've got a great crew here everyone's really nice it's a super relaxing um tasting room it doesn't have a lot of the pretense that you know we think of so often in the wine world
2: oh it's the opposite it's
0: absolutely the opposite and that's
2: actually that's uh one thing that i i really analyzed when i got here i was kind of petrified of that snobbery in wine that you do hear about and uh you know i came to understand that um not to knock napa but a lot of it comes from Napa. No,
0: do it. I mean, we do it all, we do it all the time on the podcast. (laughs) Right.
2: And, uh, you know, the, mostly, almost all the wineries here are still family owned. Uh, They're smaller scale, small production. um, And, uh, you know, we're, it's a very cooperative industry too. Uh, we we have like an industry night tomorrow night, and oh, cool. uh, yeah, it, here we're gonna have. I think it's like twenty different wineries. We've had them every week, oh, wow. and we invite a different one uh, every week. A different oh, that's
0: group, rad. yeah. That's great, and you can all learn from each other that way too, which is sure. amazing. Yeah, and I know you have a lot of vineyards here on the property, mm-hmm. but in Paso in general, I think a lot of people are you know, buying grapes from different vineyards and different locations and kind of putting their spin on them. So do you grow all the grapes here? Or are you bringing them from other parts of
2: Paso? Right, everything actually is within uh, five different AVAs here. Um, we This is one of them here. Uh, they're all within like a five mile span. Some of them take oh, nice. like 20 minutes to get to, just based on uh, the curvature of right. the roads and how long <laughs> it takes where no direct road goes. Um, But yeah, they're all within this uh, Paso area. Um, We have five different AVAs. The other one that we have is at our Mustang Springs uh, Ranch, and that's also where we dry farm a lot of our wine and grow the majority of our wines here.
0: So tell us a little bit about the history of Peachy Canyon, because I know that they were one of the first in Paso to really kind of set up shop as an institution Mm -hmm. here in the area. They've been in business for a long time, and I have to tell everyone that the reason we originally decided to taste here, was here vacationing with my husband and my parents, and... My mother had read that this was the location, the tasting room was the location of an old schoolhouse. That's right. And she's a, she was a schoolteacher for 40 years. So she said, we have to go, we have to go, we have to go. And of course, we had a lovely afternoon and we all fell in love with the wines, took a bunch home. Um, so glad to be back. But yeah, can you tell us a little bit about Peachy Canyon's history and legacy here?
2: Oh, for sure. Paso? Yeah, uh, well, I'll tell you this. We did start in 1988 and uh, we were the ninth winery at the time in, wow. in Paso. Now there's upward of around 300. Yeah, it's crazy now. I know. And there's so much good wine coming out of yeah. here. It's kind of crazy. Uh, it's, it's rare if I'm tasting a bad wine in Paso. I'll say that also Our uh, Doug and Nancy Beckett started um, Peachy uh, and now their sons run it, uh, Jake and Josh who also uh, started and created Chronic and sold it and now are here full time.
0: Yeah, chronic sellers was great too. Yeah. Oh, so they did sell it. Yes. Okay. Oh, so now they just hang out here and (laughs) right. It's it's such a hard life, I imagine. Yeah. (laughs) I know
2: it doesn't really translate on audio, but if you guys could see the setting, you'd want to be here. Right. It's it's so picturesque with rolling hills. Yep.
0: Lush rolling hills. Harvest is right around the corner for you too. Coming right up. Yeah. October. Yep. So everything's nice and green and beautiful, despite the fact that there's a horrid drought here in California. Right. It's fine we're fine everything's fine what else can you tell us about the vineyards here and the tasting room let me frame it by
2: saying how different things are now <laughs> with COVID uh, oh, because okay. it's kind of like a night and day difference uh, luckily I got the chance to work a little bit before the first COVID shut down here and um we used to do everything right in the tasting room. If you could imagine, we never did anything outside here. Wow!
0: So no, so where we are, we're actually um, positioned in this beautiful gazebo uh, out in the gardens, among the, the the vineyards and the vines here. And there are all these adorable little tables and chairs just hanging out on the lawn, chilling. There's a cute little outdoor bar area. Um, so. None of this was utilized space for but parties yeah. events, mm-hmm. um,
2: but for the most part, you know, someone would once a while, once in a while walk out of the tasting room with their glass right. and
0: <laughs> be like, look, how yeah. picturesque. And uh, <laughs>
2: it was really COVID that changed it, along with also the way we serve wine here before we would pour directly from the bottle into your glass. And uh, we set this up to be flight style now with uh, five different uh, wines The nice thing about this is it kind of changes the way you taste because you get to go at your own pace, and uh, especially if you're in a group of two or three where everyone's drinking at different speeds, right? um, It's really beneficial, and a lot of people will revisit; they'll keep a little bit in there and then go be able to go back to it.
0: Well, let's dive into this tasting. So I know you're going to tell us a little bit about the flight that you've selected today, and then we'll kind of get into the individual wines. So tell us why you've poured out these how many do we have one two three four five
2: <laughs> oh, six with oh Bailey. six
0: well bailey's special though
2: yeah it really is um <clears throat> so well uh, you know for for right now we definitely needed a white on the menu and uh peche blanche is one of our newer wines uh, this is from our 2020 vintage and uh it's a white rome blend so it has uh grenache blanc pickpool and viognier uh, the breakdown of it is 67% Grenache, uh, 20% Pickpool and 13% Viognier. And you know, you pick up a little note of citrus, lemon zest in there. Mm-hmm. And, um, this <laughs> one's really interesting too. Uh, this one, part of it, we, uh, fermented in concrete. Part of it was in barrels grown on the west side of Paso in the Adelaide district. Uh, we produced 350 cases of this, um, we added yeast to the pick pool um, on this mm-hmm. one. Nice, and um, gives it a little bit of that richness in there. And you can really tell with what it's fermented in. Uh, I
0: think it's that blend of the concrete and the oak that give it a little bit of texture, give it some structure. You know, it, it's 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 definitely not a wimpy white, right? right? You know, it's got a little bit of that velvetyness that comes with the oak.
2: And the stone fruit's really popping right now, and, it, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that uh, comes the out apricot. with yeah. Uh, uh, the green apple uh, taste, which was really strong when I when we first started pouring it, seems to s- slightly uh, be faded. I think
0: that's that's kind of like giving it some nice acidity, though, that it needs to balance out that
2: rich stone fruit. Absolutely, and the balance is another thing with this one. It mm-hmm. is a really well balanced wine.
0: Yeah, that's, I don't know. I may have to take a bottle of that home this time (laughs) around. (laughs) So next on our list, we have the Mustard Creek from 2018. So this is a Zinfandel, which um, you're also known for here. You do some nice Zins and a Petite Syrah blend.
2: So what can you tell
0: us about
2: this lovely? Well, yeah, we are definitely known for our Zinfandels. Um, It's, uh, we... When people come in, they usually ask, uh, what are you pouring for Zins today? Um, and uh, I would say our Mustard Creek 2018 is our lightest um, in body. Um, to me, I'll say that it it really always felt like the body felt like a Pinot Noir. Yeah. Um, but it, it moves away from that because then on the finish, you can really pick up that typical Zin spicing mm-hmm. kick to the finish.
0: A little bit of that dark mm. cherry, too. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's so so good
2: you're making me hungry like dark
0: chocolate chip cookies well we have a whole pairing section that we're going to get to august so when we talk about bailey um we'll ask you for all your fun pairing advice too yeah i've tried i've (laughs) I've paired that
2: one with quite a few and but uh, ann and
0: i like to eat so you know chocolate chip cookies with this one sounds real (laughs) have
2: you ever gone to uh i I love to talk about other wineries too just you know it's (laughs) one of my favorite things here uh have you ever been to lxv
0: no, but I, their tasting room is downtown and. Their, some of their properties not far from the house I'm renting. Oh,
2: nice. So I want to check them out. Yeah. You really should. They do an Indian spice pairing with cheese and their wine. Oh, and my goodness. I remember someone... At I, their
0: tasting room in town?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I Jim. wonder if
0: they're open late tonight. I'm going to check.
2: I think they're usually open an hour later than uh, other wineries. Okay, so usually we the like ones in downtown Paso are.
0: Right. Yeah, I was at Serrano last night at like 7.30. Nice. And that was great. That was a good way to end the day. <laughs>
2: Yeah, they do a really good um, couple of really good blends. Uh, The Jewel is one of them. Um, And someone two guests mentioned it to me. Um, I always like to pick guests brain too on what they love to taste and where they go. And uh, they said it was named in one of the top ten uh, tasting rooms in America, and really? I was surprised because cool. I didn't know much about them. And so I went over there, and yeah, their wines just really knocked my socks off. You and have I, to check them out I ended up for sure. Join their club.
0: All right, now we know it's good. Then. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is delicious. Anne would absolutely like this. She loves a she loves a Pinot. So what do you
2: taste in that one?
0: The first hit is a little misleading. You know, Mm -hmm. it's really soft and delicate. I'm almost getting floral notes in there. But then you get that nice kind of white pepper with that cherry finish. Like it takes you on a little bit of a ride. Um, You have to chase after it a little bit. And this next one is the GSM. So uh, for our listeners who may not be familiar with Paso Robles and the wine, making techniques here. The GSM is kind of the bread and butter of this region. So can you tell us a little bit about a GSM?
2: You can't really go to a place without seeing a GSM here in Paso. Um, That's a, uh, they're all Rhone varietals. It's a, um, it's Grenache, Syrah, and a Mouvedra blend. This one is actually uh, dry farmed from our Mustang Springs ranch. Love that. Yeah. Uh, the fruit for the wine was fermented in small lots uh, with hand punch downs three times a day, and then after gently pressing, uh, the wines aged for fourteen months in a combination of French and Hungarian oak barrels. And uh, the breakdown on that is sixty nine percent Grenache, twenty two percent Syrah, and nine percent Mouvedra. Oh, this is delicious! It's tasting with a little bit of spice to it. No, I was
0: going to say, I, I'm even on the nose. I'm getting some baking spice on there yeah. too. Um, but again, that, that pepper from the Syrah kind of
2: cuts it. There's on the nose, there's a little bit of an herbal note too. Herbaceous, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I like. One, another thing too, that's great about doing outdoor tastings is the visual uh, of the colors of all the wines too. Uh, you know, really that first thing, we forget how much that affects when you look at a wine, you, you kind of already have a preconceived notion of what it's going to be and uh i think it's fascinating to see just the different sort of variations of color variety of purple and ruby and throw all these wines so it's really nice doing outdoor tastings for that aspect of it well on
0: this lovely white uh picnic table we're at doesn't doesn't hurt (laughs) yeah this is delicious though i mean they're all they're all they've all been delicious okay so our fourth wine on the list is the 2018 misbehave
2: malbec uh that's actually grown right here on the property behind this block right here oh wow.
0: so where
2: we're sitting we're literally looking at those that's grapes right oh, i love that our malbec is uh you know here's the thing that i've noticed with uh paso malbecs they're just li- there's are so much different than the argentinian style malbec uh with that has that big malbec bite with harder tannins in it yeah. um, this is a french style it's it's a bit lighter um really fruit forward on the nose absolutely and these these tannins seem to be light and lingering it almost gives me it
0: reminds me of a pma on the nose almost like that same like kind of fruity vaguely fruit punch vibes
2: it's i'm also picking up in the malbec right now um definitely rosemary Mm
0: -hmm. some bright herbs yeah
2: rose petals
0: A little bit of violet.
2: And definitely Ooh. crisp fruit.
0: Yep. Good acid. You get that nice mm. acid punch.
2: And Malbec is another one that um, I'm liking more and more as, as the time goes on with it. Uh, I was a little intimidated by Malbecs, just because, I, I, I again, I'm not a fan as much with the, uh, the Argentinian Malbec. It's yeah. just a little too harsh for my palate. Um,
0: These are definitely much more delicate um, and fruit forward. But all the wines here at Peachy Canyon, I think, have that finesse to them, which is really nice. And so, you know, I think we were talking earlier about preconceived notions and, you know, looking in your glass and kind of thinking, okay, this is what this is going to be. And I, I think here, one of the things I really respect about the winemaking practices and the finished product is people can still be surprised. And so, you know, I know a lot of white wine drinkers, you know, who are going to die on that Chardonnay Hill right. and are just like, oh no, Zen, absolutely not. But these wines are, are have such a delicate touch. I mean, they still pack a huge flavor punch. I think they're well balanced, but they're approachable in a way that speaks to the finesse in the
2: winemaking. You know, that's a really great word for the small deck, approachable.
0: Okay. So the last one on our flight is the Petit Syrah.
2: Yeah. Right, what a great way to end a tasting yeah. sheet too.
0: So, what can you tell us about the Petit Syrah here?
2: Well, let me uh start off by saying this is 100% uh, Petit Syrah. We made 301 cases of these. Um, so I
0: like that. Three, not 300, 301. 301. Here, yeah, someone squirreled away a case somewhere. <laughs>
2: Candied strawberries on the nose. Oh yeah, chocolate. Mm hmm. Slight chocolate. Definitely tannic, but and I typically not a, usually a fan of tannic wines. Um, it, this one just works.
0: Yeah, I think it's the balance, though. Mm-hmm. I think because you get your the initial mouth is very fruit forward, um, rich, you know overripe strawberries raspberries some cherry in there there's a lot of nice summer red fruits that hit you right away and then uh you get kind of those deeper more tannic driven flavors towards the end again another one that takes your palate for a little bit of a ride as you sip on it
2: this is 14.5 percent abv
0: oh so this is a a big boy yeah yeah we drink a lot of wines on the podcast, so they're typically between twelve and thirteen.
2: You know, just a funny story because uh, we're talking about alcohol by volume. Um, <laughs> I had this uh, amateur winemaker come in here. And he was here for a tasting, and he was he was, he made Zin, and he goes, "Do you want to try my Zin that I made?" And Uh-oh. I'm like, "Okay, sure, I'd love to." <laughs> and uh, at the time, it, we had a different tasting room manager, and she was out here with me, and. Uh, he gave it to us, and with a straight face, he's like, this is 17%. Uh, 17? Yeah, alcohol by volume, or jeez. upward of 17. And uh, it tasted like straight-up rocket fuel. Oh, jeez. And you no, obviously no. don't want to insult anyone. Right, so yeah, you, yeah, you're you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Looking for, like, a quick dump bucket.
0: <laughs> if you were outside, you could just be like, oh. Oh, the wind yeah. took the it wind here, took here it. in Paso, <laughs> you know. Look at that. Look at it go. (laughs) That wind, though. Uh, August was a real champ for putting up with that wind and getting us through that tasting. At one point, one of the glasses did start rolling down the table, so it got a little dicey there. Uh, But that really just encouraged us to kind of keep our glasses full and uh, keep working our way through that wonderful flight that he poured. So, All's well that ends well. When you described where you
1: were and sort of the grapes around you and that beautiful white gazebo and just the views that you were seeing, that was the point where I was the most jealous as I look around my little New York apartment.
0: I'm sorry. I love you.
1: So what was, of the, the five wines that, that August poured for you, what would you say was your favorite from that tasting?
0: So I had two that I really enjoyed that particular day. And full disclosure, when I visited Peachy Canyon in June for the first time, I tasted both of these wines. And what's interesting is when I tasted them in June, they were not my favorite. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, when I tasted in June, um, I loved the rosé. I loved uh, the Bailey, which we'll get into again uh, in this episode, and I really love their Cabernet that they call Divine. And so I was really looking more towards the heavy reds at that moment, and in June it was a lot cooler, the nights were pretty chilly, Uh, So I think those wines were just like pouring really well at that time. Uh, August in his guided tasting talked a little bit about, you know, sometimes it's just the right time for a wine. Sometimes it needs a couple more months. Um, It's all very dependent too on the other elements, you know, on the weather, on what's sort of in the air, on the humidity, on what you're, what you're vibing on at that particular moment. And so because it's a warmer Time of year, uh, I've really been looking towards wines that have a bit more of a refreshing palate to them, but also still have that point of interest that's, you know, that texture, that structure to them that I'm going to really enjoy. And so my first favorite was actually the first one he poured, which was the Peche Blanche. And I was not a huge fan um, the first time around, but this time, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought the fruit was really well developed. I thought that it had a nice, kind of creamy texture to it without being overwhelming. It was still fruit forward. I thought it had some good structure to it. It was just a really delightful wine to have in the early afternoon in the summertime. So I enjoyed that one a lot. And then my second pick or standout from that tasting was the GSM. Again, Paso is really well known for their GSMs, that special blend of Grenache, Syrah, Mourvedre, and Every winery is different. Every winery has a different special blend and they're all unique and interesting in their own ways. But the GSM that we drank during the tasting was just really lovely. It had some rich summer red fruit notes to it. So you get kind of that jammy summer fruit, fresh mouthful. And then because of the Syrah content in this particular blend, um, it just had such a nice kind of white pepper, um, herbaceous finish to it. So it was like the perfect wine, red wine for summertime, I think. Ugh.
1: And this is why I'm jealous. This is why I'm jealous of you.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, she may or may have not come home with a couple different bottles, so there you go.
1: And this is why I love you. Mm -hmm. This is Mm -hmm. why I love you.
0: That's right. I take care of my bitches. Let's not forget this. (laughs)
1: So you also mentioned when we were recording that August had this amazing notebook that he was using that just sort of captured everything, and I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about kind of what was in that, what it looked like, you know, give us that full sensory experience again, and then you've also talked about taking notes at different points, so, like, what's your process?
0: Yeah, so... The, the notes are kind of twofold. Um, whenever you go to a winery or a tasting room, you're going to get a whole array of information. Or let me rephrase that, you should get a whole array of information. And it usually comes in two forms. So a lot of times when you sit down or when you're at the bar and you order your tasting flight, they will have a, a printed menu that tells you what you're going to taste that, that day. And most vineyards um, and tasting rooms rotate. So whatever they have open, whatever the season is, you know, whatever's available for purchase, that tends to be how they sort of work through their rotations. So for example, Uh, In Paso, when I was there this time, a lot of places were out of their rosé or their white's. And it's still early in the season, but it's been so warm that that's what people want to drink. So they're obviously, if they don't have them for retail, they're not pouring them in their tasting room um, because that would just be cruel to really love something that you then cannot have. So they'll have a tasting list and that tasting list is almost like a miniature menu and it gives you some basic notes about the wine. It's going to tell you the year, it's going to tell you the varietal. Or the blend and the percentages. And then it's going to give you some basic tasting notes and possibly the more um, elaborate ones will give you some pairing notes as well. So that's the first thing and that's usually what you get as a consumer or as a visitor to a tasting room. Now, if you're working in a tasting room and sometimes if you're a consumer too and you ask to see it or sometimes they'll just even have it at the bar, they'll there will be a binder that has a collection of wine tech sheets. And these tech sheets are used in the industry both at, you know, wineries and tasting rooms and for distributors when they're out, you know, selling their wine to different wine shops or restaurants or whatever and it gives you a bunch of information about that particular wine. So it's going to tell you, um, in addition to all the things that would be on just like a tasting menu sheet, it's also going to tell you a little bit about the terroir. So it's going to tell you about climate, it's going to tell you about soil, it's going to tell you a little bit about harvesting process, fermentation process, aging process, and its pairing and tasting notes are going to be more elaborate. So at the tasting at Peachy Canyon, you know, we obviously had the little tasting menus and they do this for all their guests. And like I said, most tasting rooms do this for for their guests. Uh, and then August did bring out the binder of, of wine text sheets. So, you know, we were able to kind of peruse that. And he had that as a reference for the tasting in case there was a question that came up um, that he had to consult the book for. And that's going to be, again, kind of your more process-oriented stuff that has to do with um, terroir and methodology of winemaking. And then both August and I, you know, have our own process for taking notes. And so when I am tasting strategically, I should say, uh, which I've been trying to get back into it's been a little bit rusty. But I carry a, t- it's just, it's a little notebook. It's a little field notes book. I like something small that I can carry um, in my bag or, you know, put in a pocket. And I'll do certain notes. And August and I were kind of comparing notes and we we tend to take the same thing. So name, vintage, varietal, um, origin, those are kind of the basics, right, that we talk a lot about on this podcast. So every time we introduce a bottle and we go through the different specs, uh, ABV, price point, all of that good stuff kind of the the basics of information. And then I'll do tasting notes. So I tend to keep track of three core things, um, color, body, and then my tasting notes in terms of, you know, what I get both on the nose and on the palate. And if something really strikes me, I'll kind of jot down some pairing notes, especially if I'm, if it's a wine that I'm going to purchase, and take home. Because then when I serve it at home, I can kind of jog my memory and say, okay, this is, you know, if I'm going to make this, I can bring out this wine. And then there are other wines that are just great sippers, right? You can just open them up and have a standalone glass or standalone bottle, let's be honest here. And that's something I always note too. So if you're just kind of, you know, settling in for a long evening, or you're going to watch a movie. I have notes in in my tasting book that's like, goes great with popcorn, you know, that type of thing. So they're kind of little reminders to myself to jog my memory when I'm looking for a certain bottle. And the other thing about taking notes that I think is great, too, is we've talked a lot on the podcast's um, about how wine is about personal taste. And a lot of that has to do with point of reference. And so for me, tasting is really about expanding my palate. And it's, it's such a referential process. So for example, if you say that a wine has... You know, a tartness akin to underripe, just underripe raspberries. If you've never had a raspberry, you you don't know what that tastes like, let alone what it tastes like to be slightly underripe. Everything we talk about in wine tasting is about point of reference. And so I'm a firm believer that the more you travel, the more you eat, the more you drink, the more you kind of seek out different flavor profiles, the more sophisticated your tasting palate going to become. And a little kind of field notebook is a great way to sort of keep track of some of those likes and dislikes and just, you know, wow moments and epiphanies that you have when you're drinking wine. But I think the however you keep track the key, as we've discussed many times on the podcast, is to taste wine with intention. To come to it not with a, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna suck this down and move on to my next destination, um, but to really kind of get lost in that one or two ounce pour and immerse yourself in that little microcosm for just a minute. That's, I mean, constantly beautiful. Like, just hearing you wax poetic uh. is
1: about wine is fun. But I think you're so right. I mean, anything that you are paying careful attention to, it helps. It just helps you pay closer attention when you're writing something down, when you're making a note of something.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing, too, is it really helps jog the memory. Um, when you make that translation from your brain to your hand to a piece of paper. And, you know, there are a couple of, for example, there's a lot of bodegas down in Via de Guadalupe that I've I've tasted at over the years. And when they pour certain things, like I I can remember tasting that particular wine or, you know, a previous vintage and, and some of the notes I had. So if you go to places pretty consistently too, taking notes is another great way to like track the evolution across vintages, which I think is great too. So if you're someone who nerds out like me over lateral tastings and things like that, um, that's a nice way to kind of keep track of some of those, like, oh, I really love the 2016, but I wasn't as crazy about the 2017.
1: There was one special wine that you and August shared. Is that right? That is correct. You shared
0: it too. We got you a bottle.
1: (laughs) You did. And I suppose this is the time to admit to our faithful listeners that... My bottle uh, perhaps was left in a hot package room for a couple of days too long um, and therefore was maybe not at its peak greatness um, still drinkable, but not possibly not its best um,
0: but yeah, should we hear should we hear what the real deal is? Absolutely. So we would like to introduce you now to Bailey, uh, one of the signature zins at Peachy Canyon, and the reason we selected this one is it's one of Augusta's favorites. And so he talks in our episode about this being the bottle that the winery crew reaches for at the end of shift, um, and we'll hear all about why. Thank you for guiding us through um, so many of the great wines that you produce here at Peachy Canyon. But the bottle that we're really highlighting today is the Bailey Zinfandel from 2018. And we always have a reason for why we select a particular wine. And the, the reason here is twofold. So when I visited Peachy Canyon for the first time in June, I really loved the Bailey. It was such a great easy drinking Zin. It was all the things I liked, plus a few surprises. But two, it was really your recommendation for this episode, for what we should highlight. Mm. So it was pouring incredibly well. And so I wanted to, you know, have a meeting of the minds, so to speak. But for our listeners, just to give you some of the specs on the bottle, um, this is the 2018 100% Zinfandel at Paso Robles. The price point is about $48. So... You know, for us, it's a little bit on our higher end, but it is absolutely worth it in every way, shape, or form. And our ABV is sitting at 15% for this bottle. So it is going to pack, you know, a punch. It's a little different from some of the natural wines that we've highlighted in the past. It's around 11.5 to 12%. So this is is what you want for that cooler, breezy summer night. And August, our special guest... Has his own special guest. It is special guest inception, and I love it. So, would you like to introduce your special guest? Sure. Your podcast. Do it. Do it. Less
2: work for me. Do it. (laughs) I'm going to introduce you to my boss, Skyler. Skyler is actually uh, actually one of the brightest people I've ever talked to about wine here, and uh, he always has a wealth of information and uh, just very approachable about wine. Uh, I feel like he can break it down really well for uh, the novice or the profession. You know, professional. Uh, I, I'm so glad we're talking about Bailey. It's, uh, you can, I, it always puts a smile on my face for some reason. And, uh, I did mention earlier, it's kind of, if we're to pour a, a glass at the end of the night, when we're cleaning up, it, it usually is Bailey. Nice. Um, it, it's a, uh, silky zin with a little hint of white pepper on it, um, on the finish. And, um, you know, I, I've paired this with so many things. I've done it with Indian food, which came out really well. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I've tried, to do something lighter with indian before like a gsm just didn't hit gets me. lost yeah, yeah. and uh, i've also had Bailey with uh, ribeye and uh, well
0: uh, yeah and it went
2: really <laughs>
0: well i'm into that Anne's a vegan but whatever she's not here right now it's fine mm-hmm. <laughs> so skylar tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do here at peachy canyon well, thanks you for, for the invitation, invitation
3: very both of you um i joined peachy canyon about two years ago as director of sales initially uh, focusing on our wholesale business and starting uh, january of this year also all of our direct consumers so ecom tasting room wine club uh, which is fun i was a general manager at another winery in paso for a little over seven years and director of sales for a big winery in paso for 14. Uh, so i feel uh, super excited to be uh, working with the dtc area again okay. so from the time i got here you know a new job you have to learn about the wines that winery uh it was very clear from the very get-go that bailey was uh, a special wine uh strangely for our dtc wines it's the only wine that we make from purchased fruit oh interesting! so peachy mm-hmm. has 103 acres Okay. Uh, planted the, between our our bosses Jake and Josh and their parents the founders Doug and Nancy Beckett, uh, there's five vineyards across three different sub AVAs. Bailey is and uh, so of the wines that we make for our wine club and the tasting room, this is the only one that's uh, that's purchased fruit. Peachy Canyon started like, its original location was on Peachy Canyon Road.
0: Right, I remember that from our last trip here to ah.
3: And now the winery that is where Peachy Canyon started is called Manassian and Young. Okay. And the Bailey Vineyard is down the road from that. So oh, nice. our bosses are, I think Jake's 46 and Josh 48. They moved here when they were um, kids and the Bailey Vineyard was already planted and, and producing. So Dave Bailey uh, has always grown, uh, cultivated this organically. Uh, he makes a little bit of wine for himself, but... but Mostly he's a grower, and we're lucky that he honors a 40-plus-year relationship and still continues today to give us enough to make all of 420 cases. Wow, that's awesome. So uh, that's like 17 barrels. Uh, Each barrel's got about 25 25 cases in it. So, But, yeah, when I got here, the the, the people in the tasting room that's saying, this is the wine club uh, favorite Mm -hmm. and... Um, the tasting room, customers' favorite. So I was not completely objective when I tasted it the first time.
0: <laughs> they were like, You will like this. Yeah. You yeah.
3: You, exactly. You're going to like this. And I do. I think it's delicious. 15% is is um, big for us, mm-hmm. it's not big for Zen for the neighborhood. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a lot of, uh, there's two ways of getting to 15%. You need to get there the, the, the original way. Which is you have healthy vines and they continue to produce sugar and ripen the skins. So you've got both good sugar and good anthocyanin development. Um, but if, perchance, you, your vines aren't 100% healthy, then you get to 20 or 15% alcohol through dehydration. Right. And a lot of those wines that are 16 five that get through, through dehydration taste like it. They're yeah. They're more... Plummy and pru- or pruney and a little raisinated. Yeah, and this is bright.
2: Yeah. And you know, this is also something that I've noticed. This, to me, out of when every so often we'll get people in and they won't realize we're known for our Zins, and you'll mention Zinfandel and they they have a bad image of it. Right. They're like, and, like recoil. <laughs> yeah. And it's like what we were talking about earlier with, uh, you know, preconceived notions of it. Bailey is a converter to me. Mm-hmm. And you pour that for someone and, uh, You describe it a little bit. Let them sit with it, and uh, they're more. It's a very approachable zin.
0: It's really beautiful. It's it's very well balanced.
2: It's It's very silky. Yeah. Mm.
0: One of the things I really appreciate about all of the wines I've tasted here over my last two trips are they have a finesse to them. Mm -hmm. They have a delicacy that they've been touched with just the right hand. Um, to to make them into some really seductive, beautiful wines. Well,
3: that's, those are really nice things of you need to say because those are, I, I I sit on the blending team, uh, oh. and those are those are our goals. Our goals <laughs> nice. is to make wines with really really beautiful mouthfeel. Uh, you know, we make six, sometimes seven different Zinfandels, and it's important that when people come and taste, um, they each one has a distinct personality. To me, this is this is dark. The blueberry meets blackberry, mm-hmm. um, but not Black plum, but not yeah. tart. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it still has that soft kind of fruit landing. Um, you, it's it still feels like summer, if that makes sense. Oh. You know, it's. I, I think it's really lovely. When I tasted it the first time, um, I was impressed. I took a bottle home, and then when August suggested it, I was like, yes. Let's yeah. do this one. But yeah, it, it pour, you're right. It's pouring really, really well right now, especially on a day like this where it's nice. Got that nice, cool breeze. It didn't get to the 100 and whatever it was supposed to right. be.
3: Right, right. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's not a lot of Zinfandels that I like drinking without food. Mm-hmm. And this is one that if if I was at a friend's house and they were serving this, um, I would have this as well in, in place of a glass of rosé uh, because mm-hmm. it does have a, a nice a nice freshness to it. And it's it's pretty. It's just really pretty. Yeah. It's an it's, elegant wine.
0: It's really beautiful. From a
3: non-elegant elegant grape. That's a really good way to put it. Mm-hmm.
0: Elegant. An elegant wine from a non-elegant grape. That's mm-hmm. So um, what is the attraction for Peachy Canyon with Zins? Because you, you do make a lot of them.
3: Well, when Doug and Nancy founded Peachy in 1988... Um, it was a different landscape as far as wine. And Zinfandel's were very, very popular, very recherché at the time. I was selling wine to restaurants in New York City in the early 90s. And the really good Zinfandel's from California that we had to sell were in super, super high demand. Uh, And the kind of the rune, like now you might say that I would say Cabernet is king. Yeah. Because between... You know, J. Lohr and Hope Family and Dow, I mean, there's Cabernet drives the wine economy here. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rhone, Rhone blend type cool uh, wineries have garnered the high, the highest scores, I think, in general, or uh, uh, taken a lot of attention. Right. But in the beginning, if you were going to be a small winery trying to build a DTC business, Zinfandel was a great choice.
0: Right, and I mean and Doug
3: loves Doug it. Doug loves Zip oh Well,
0: that's a good enough reason for right. everybody. <laughs> Make what you love. Make what you love. Exactly. Right. Make what you love. Drink what you love. That's what we always say on podcasts. Drink what you like. Like try things, but if you gravitate towards something and you love it, like order it again. You'll you know no no shame in that game. But this is I can see why this is a bottle you reach for on a continual basis because it's just that good. And you're right. I don't think it need something it can really stand alone but since we are talking about pairings mm. um okay so we've mentioned in terms of food we've mentioned indian food we've mentioned a good meaty ribeye yeah. what else would you serve with
3: this i mean, i wouldn't be afraid to just have it with really delicious barbecue right and yeah. I think the brisket and ribs Um, It may be a little, you know, a little sophisticated in a way for ribs and brisket, but I think that uh, that would be...
0: Tri-tip. Super yummy. Tri-tip. Yeah, Santa Maria Mm
3: -hmm.
2: barbecue. Yep. Uh, Nice. Yeah, I'd actually even try this. uh, I think next thing I'm going to try this with is Thai food. Oh. I I really think the uh, certain spicy ethnic foods really are going to pair up well with this.
0: I was just at this um, Thai restaurant in outside of Las Vegas, actually, that a friend had recommended. was there for a trade show, and it was incredible. They had this crispy, spicy beef that was wonderful, and the moment you said that, I thought of that dish with this wine. It would be absolutely
3: delicious. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be afraid to put it with panang curry. Mm,
2: Mmm. Yeah. I was listening to this really good audiobook. You mentioned these earlier. Uh, different. What are you listening to? And uh, there's one that uh, jumped out at me with this thought, and it's Big Macs in Burgundy, and it's Max it's and a, all Burgundy. about pairing I love that. everyday uh, like Cheetos. You know, what would you pair with the Cheeto? Uh, right. And uh, it was How, this woman. What would you pair with a woman, Cheeto? She was a, uh, Sparkling wine. Level right? three song
3: Yeah. Know, right. <laughs>
0: Well, the classic is like fried chicken and champagne, right? Huh? The, yeah, the, um, mm-hmm.
3: popcorn. Pop fried chicken. Oh too. yeah, popcorn. Popcorn's good with champagne. But popcorn
0: and pet nat is what I like to uh, say. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Absolutely. Um that's hilarious though. I think mean, yeah, you could do this with a burger, right? Absolutely. It would still be delicious. Yeah. Okay, so we're having some good food. We're having some maybe some sliders. Maybe some Thai chili spice sliders or something. Having some pad thai. This is, I like this dinner party. I like this the way this is shaping up. So what nice. are, what are you playing on the record player? What are you I listening jazz to? With this. Jazz with us. Jazz. Right.
2: Hmm. Um, maybe uh, Miles Davis or nice. uh, John Coltrane. Um, Coltrane.
0: I like that yeah. pairing
2: with this. Yeah. It's, Something uh, smooth. <laughs> and who would be your guest? Yeah. Who Who are we
0: inviting to this dinner party?
2: I guess dead or alive. Yeah. You
0: superhero. can you, no no rules no rules on this podcast
2: <laughs> I think I'd like to have a dinner with this wine in Lawrence of Arabia oh wow oh. that'd be fantastic <laughs> wow the Omar s- Sharif yeah oh yeah, yeah. 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 seven Omar-
3: pillars of wisdom yeah, <laughs> yeah. really good book mm. with Lawrence that's yeah. who you want to have T. Lawrence yeah. Lawrence you want to have yeah. <laughs> him at your dinner party
2: I would yeah, yeah. Nice. I'm sure he would have some great <laughs> stories uh, also Larry David would be kind of cool from <laughs> creator of Seinfeld there you go oh uh, <laughs> this shaping up to be a good dinner yeah, yeah right sounds like a great dinner I, i'm gonna i'm
3: gonna i'm gonna have ella and mel torme as oh, my, nice. as, my nice. as my music musical accompaniments and kash is a is a guest um how about michelle obama Yes, I, I mean, yeah, you can.
0: You can always have her. There are two people on this podcast who we always pick: Michelle Obama. <laughs> Sorry, and, no, I'm, I'm no, you, again. no, no. You're fitting right in with us, and uh, Anthony Bourdain. When would you serve Bailey? I mean, I know we've said it's kind of you don't need an occasion for a good wine, um, but what would you bust this bottle out for? Are we having just like a, a nice evening with
2: friends? Are we going somewhere? I would do it uh, for. It's the kind of bottle that I would probably open for a friend and just have a split it on the spot and uh, have a couple of glasses and chat Um, because it's not overwhelming to me Mm. and um, it. it, I feel like it's a mood shifter. To it, you can kind of blend in whatever you want with it. (laughs) It it just feels very neutral like that.
3: Yeah, it wouldn't. It its price point and. uh, Does not make it an everyday wine for my wife and I to have at home. So it would be, we'd we'd have company.
0: Nice. Well, and it's also, I think because it's so approachable, it's a bottle you want to share. Yeah. You know, I really like opening bottles for people that that challenges their preconceived notions of what something is a lot. Mm-hmm. And you know, for someone who was like, "Oh, I don't really like a in," it would just you know make me want to open this bottle even more. Like, "Oh, really? It's right. a Joan, fun huh? thing to yeah. do." You know, <laughs> let me prove you wrong. Yeah, and uh, I, we
2: also <laughs> did that with our rosé this year. There was a lot of people that said they disliked rosé. That uh, okay, that we fancy, yeah. Our, uh, our 2020 rose for, and they were like, okay, well, this doesn't taste like the typical rose because it's light, it's dry, it's crisp. Right, yeah. I and mean, we
3: sold out of it in two and a half months. So, yeah, really so cool. there you go. <laughs> it was the easiest selling.
0: People love a rose, they yeah. love a rose. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the summer when it's nice and warm out. Yep. Well, this has been lovely. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us about Bailey or about Peachy Canyon?
3: Well, I would say if we're going through one of those a very rare generational transitions. So Doug and Nancy uh, started the winery in 88. The boys grew up in the vineyard, in the winery, uh, decided they didn't want anything to do with it. They both went off, kind of got bored, started their own brand, which became Chronic sellers. Oh, Built that up, sold it, and, and, and came back... Technically, two years ago, as Doug and Nancy were retiring, so we were kind of adopted the moniker Peachy Canyon 2.0. The first Peachy Canyon for forty years or thirty plus years um, had a very large wholesale business, right? And yeah. now we're 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 scaling that very much back. So the boys are much more interested. Boys Jake and Josh uh, in 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 focusing on. Producing estate-grown wines from the hundred-ish acres we have, and uh, and focusing their ambition inward mm-hmm. instead of instead of outward. They've already exercised so many of those other muscles and scratched those itches with the okay. Peachy Canyon One and and Chronic that uh, they want to make this a, a, a contender for you know the, the rest of our neighborhood.
0: Yeah, I love that. And you can really tell in sort of Peachy Canyon's presence, too. So after my first visit here, I was having dinner. Um, a friend of mine who's in the, the restaurant industry, she's managed a number of large restaurants in both Hawaii and Los Angeles. And I was like, yeah, I had an amazing experience at Peachy Canyon. She's like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, um, and I was talking to her about your list and, you know, some of the the higher end um, bottles on here and she was like that is not the peachy canyon i remember you know right. my and right. and um i just i think it's so important too for businesses to continually like look at the market look at what the market demands and also really think about what the landscape's providing right you know a lot of people do huge commercial wines and but that's what that's what they are And if you're really looking to have something special and something that's finessed and sophisticated, you know, that's a harder find. Right. And sometimes a harder sell, but I would say more than often not, like people are into their wine. Right.
3: Right. We continue to work on recreating a new narrative. Mm -hmm. Disseminating it is not easy. Mm -hmm. It's more like turning a, uh, an aircraft carrier than a speedboat, right? Uh, but, but we have a great staff, including <laughs> August, uh, here to to help do that, and it's going to be one impression at a time. Yeah.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. Every time I'm in Paso, this is one of my stops on my list. Oh, that's so. Nice um it's been wonderful to have you both guide us through these lovely wines and agree to sit here and put up with us so oh you guys are
2: great <laughs> i'd like to add one thing too oh, you yes, know, please. If, certainly if you're in the paso area we pop in here and cuz one of the things you are not going to pick up just from the audio is the beauty of this oh, place oh absolutely and, you know yeah. pop in for a tasting here you can uh, all of our uh, tasting room associates are really talented um, and uh, if not, you can also order online if you can't get to this area.
0: Yeah, that's uh, another th- great thing ship it to you. about Peachy Canyon is your distribution and your reach. Order from the website. Every bottle that is currently available is up there. Um, wine Club is also a great value. Right,
3: and everything you've tasted today is really available th- through us. You're not, there's. Th- we have wines and fine wine stores around the country. But they're not the wines you've tasted today. So, right. yeah. yeah. If, 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 go to the website and see what sounds good. Um, I mean, it's all good. Yeah.
0: So, the website is peachycanyon.com. And if folks visit and want to tag you, what are your social media
2: handles? Well, oh, we're definitely on Instagram and on Facebook. At PG Canyon? Yeah.
0: Okay. And are you doing the TikTok with all the children these days? We have not yet. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> No videos, we're gonna yeah. get
3: August to do the dance moves I like right. it I like that's it I saw recently,
0: but <laughs> that's that his next project yeah. yeah yeah I did that do, uh, don't
3: you COVID. see that Fred Astaire
2: I do here? I do Yeah. get some get some tips, yeah the, uh, <laughs> musicals I love so, it a nice yeah. a hat yeah <laughs> fedora or like yeah there we go i love it yeah
0: <laughs> so yeah we'll plug the tiktok when that happens yeah, too
2: absolutely.
3: but thank you both so much thanks for setting this up no thanks thank being you interested for having us yeah August way, told me it's are, like yeah that sounds like a great idea yeah, <laughs> yeah <in both laughs> way,
0: you're really good oh thank you, you know what i
2: mean you have you have a love of wine and you uh you know your stuff this isn't thank your you. first rodeo
0: no i i drink a lot drink all right a lot. Skyler. <laughs> have <a good> one. <laughs> thank you
1: today. so much Thank you so much to August and Skyler and the whole team at Peachy Canyon for making time for us and for making this interview possible, even though I only got to be there kind of as a little voice inside Drea's ear. And on the editing part, it was really fun to hear from two other experts besides you, Drea. I mean, I love to hear from you, but it was also cool to hear you talk to your people.
0: Well, they're the professionals, so they obviously know what they're doing way better than I do. But seriously, um, the team at Peachy Canyon was rad. They were so welcoming to us. And we were really happy to be able to highlight some of their wines. And again, thank you to August and Skylar for setting everything up and sitting with us um, and making it all happen.
1: And thank you to all of you for putting up with the wind. Um, My apologies for that sound quality but hopefully you still really enjoyed it and you know definitely don't judge the the wine at peachy canyon based on the editing of this episode
0: don't judge the Uh, wine by the wind yeah ambiance people ambiance and if you would like your own bottle of Peachy Canyon goodness or you are interested in purchasing any of the wines that we tasted during this episode, you can find them all available on the Peachy Canyon website. Um, you can also follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Peachy Canyon Winery. So uh, show them a little bit of love and yeah, I know I'll be drinking more of their wines. Next bottle,
1: we will be featuring Drea's arch nemesis, a Chardonnay. You guys, we're
0: drinking uh. a Chardonnay. <laughs>
1: and if you want to know which Chardonnay and drink along with us, you can follow us on Instagram at two girls and a grape pod. You can tweet at us at two girls and a grape. That's the number two. But again, you won't find anything out there. So definitely stick with the Instagram. Killing me. And you can also email us at two girls and a grape pod at gmail.com. Be sure to give us a follow to see what we're drinking. And definitely also follow our friends at Peachy Canyon. And if you like what we're doing here, even if you don't like what you're do- what we're doing here, uh, the best way you can help support this podcast is to go onto iTunes or whatever platform you use and like this podcast, give us a rating, give us a review, subscribe, all of those things really help us and help us know what you're into and what you like. And until next time, salud, salud.